Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos. It's a pleasure to be with you this week. Through the course of this month, we've been focusing predominantly on winding down the past year and really preparing for the new year. And as we're preparing for the new year, our guest today is Peter Grandage of Trinity Financial and Entertainment Management. Peter, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome, Frank. So in the last few months, Peter, you've been on our show before, and you were talking about different financial aspects. I know you have a, a book out, Confessions of a Wall Street Whiz Kid. And you spend a lot of your time, Peter, talking about macroeconomic issues. And when I talk about macro, you know, what's going on in the world, what's going on in our country. And as our listeners are getting into a new year, I thought what might be helpful is to talk about, you know, what are some of your thoughts on what you see on the horizon? And when we talk about what what do you see on the horizon, I mean, the stock market for all intent and purposes as of the time we're doing this show has had a really good year this year. Uh, It looks like unemployment is getting a little bit better, not to where it should be. So what I'd like to get from you, Peter, just what are some of your thoughts? What are you seeing? I mean, we have a new Fed chairman coming in next year. So what could you share with some of our listeners as we're coming into this new year that would help them to better plan their finances and to plan accordingly? Well, as I approach my 30th year doing this, I always like to begin by saying those of us who live by looking into a crystal ball, we really are only experts on how to eat a lot of broken glass by the time we're done. No one knows the future, Frank. You know that. Absolutely. I think, I think it's a little bit of a farce and one of the reasons I don't go on television anymore to do that because we're at best, and I mean at best, making an educated guess. So with that in mind and, and, and trying to make an educated guess, I think there's a couple of things that are going to drive markets, at least in the early part of the new year. The first, obviously, is going to be the change uh, at the Fed, Federal Reserve. Uh, the change at the helm. Uh, Like it or not, monetary policy has been driving the stock market for quite some time now. If it was fiscal management, the Dow would be down 10,000 points because in Washington we have not had uh, any real fiscal management or anything that's moved commerce forward for quite some time. We've really been running on this dramatic easing, this printing of easy money, quantitative easing, whatever you want to call it, and that's expected to continue uh, with the, the new person taking over. So every, uh, every interview that we've been hearing says that you know, you know, they're looking at interest rates staying low or you know for a long period of time. That's the perceived uh, situation. I, I'm not so certain once we get past the early part whether that will remain, irregardless of what she does. The, the main reason. Uh, interest rates still remain quite low is there's an expectation that there'll be this endless supply of money creation and therefore without the Fed tightening rates will remain low. Unfortunately history has taught us differently and that is any uh, economy going back thousands of years where money was created at such a rate that we are doing it now can't sustain itself. There comes a point in time and that's what you keep hearing about that that the loses Fed is, its value. Right. The so Fed is going to somehow pull the punch bowl because they have to. Because if we don't, there's so much money out there, it really comes and cheapens itself and we get inflation. That's the long-term concern about this policy. But I think it's very important that we go back to understand why did we even begin this quantitative easing. We just not that many years ago, five years ago or so, were at the uh, financial abyss in the world. We were told, in fact, that if we didn't do all the bailouts of the banks and the auto companies and all, everything was going to cave and we were all going to be broke. And uh, so uh, we bailed them out. 
I find it ironic, and just to make a side note, because people have such short memories, that those banks that we were told to be a bailout and that are now making record profits and are about to pay themselves record handsome uh, bonuses and all, they were literally selling people mortgages while selling short the other side. I mean, this is what all came out after the fact. And the way I like to view it, I was Frank, say, is— explain that to our viewers or to our listeners yeah. when we talk so, about selling them short. So they were actually getting people to invest and profiting from the, the transaction— in the mortgage, and they were betting on that mortgage to fail, which they ended up doing all around the world. The way I like for people to understand is imagine if you learned that the auto companies were selling cars that they knew were going to crash and had bought life insurance on the buyers of those cars, so when they crashed, they collected on that policy too. That's exactly what they did. And here we are just five years later removed, all is forgiven, all is forgotten, and pretty much they're acting in the same manners as they were before, taking too much risk and all. This is something that, again, is not, I don't believe, going to impact us tomorrow or maybe next week. But it is something to consider that I don't believe we learned our lesson from the last financial crisis. Interesting. So, Pete, you know, when we look at you know what's going on, you're ta- talking about the Fed taking away the punch bowl and so forth. What that means is, is that interest rates may ultimately start to trend up, or at some point they are going to start to trend up. So if we were thinking in terms of our listeners, the impact that that might have to them. Now, I, now before you answer, I know that from a bond standpoint, if they're holding individualized bonds, okay, those bonds will still come due at some point in the future. But if they're owning bond funds and things of that nature, then the value of those bonds and so forth may lose value you know, as, as we're going forward. What are your thoughts and what are you seeing are some of the issues? Well, I'm not a big fan of bonds here. Uh, I certainly would not want to own bond funds. Uh, You're right. If someone has individual bonds and they can live with that interest rate and it works and whatever their plan is, the only thing that's going to happen either when it comes due, the principal is going to be paid or it's not going to be paid. Obviously, if you have to sell it before that time, it's going to be conditions of the market. The problem with the bond funds is is not only uh, are interest rates low, but the value of those bonds and those bond funds, if they go up, in terms of interest rates, are going to drop dramatically. And I don't think people are ready to take, start taking losses of 5 10 20 or 30% in their principal in something that was supposed to be for income. And so I, I shy away. I tell you the truth. If I had to and someone put a gun to me, I would look at it. But uh, I, I think bonds would be the le- I think bonds are the worst of two evils if I had to choose between bonds or equities at this time. Gotcha. And if they were going to do bonds— Shorter securities, high quality. Sure. The shorter um, terms are better. Things that are floating rate, things of that nature. Not that we're trying to tell them where they should invest their money. We're telling them to, as we look into the new year going forward, to be cautious as far as in what your asset holdings are so you can plan accordingly. I think a big theme to have going into 2014 is this. It's better to be a live chicken versus a dead duck. It's been great. Don't get me wrong. The last few years, things have gone really good. There's been easy money and all. The problems now is there's been too much money creation. I know you're going to talk about jobs. We're not seeing the growth that we need to have. Companies have cut back and done as much as they can from an efficient and effective standpoint. P.E. ratios are starting to get you know up there and all. So I don't know what else could drive equities much higher unless the economy comes roaring back, which I believe it can't because of the constraints of debt and what have you. So I think being a live chicken versus a dead duck would be a good way to go into 2014. 
So what your suggestion is, if I'm kind of reading you carefully, is, is you know, in the way that we always tell our you know listeners is, one is make sure that you're well diversified. So, you know, if you were holding bonds or whatever the case might be, make sure you're stay, staying on the shorter side of those, high quality, okay, things of that nature, even some floating rates that there are some bonds out there that'll do that, they adjust. And if on the equity side that you're only utilizing equities to the amount of risk that you can sustain, um, that you'd be comfortable with the volatility of it. And aside from that, then cash and cash equivalents, things of that nature, although that doesn't pay anything nowadays. Yeah, it does. But you know what? There, there comes a time in every cycle. It's not so much how you make it, but you don't lose. So even if you're not making anything, the fact that you won't lose over the next few years may be an important asset, asset when we look three or four years forward. Gotcha. So what you're saying is is that having some reserves on hand, it's an opportunity to buy if there are some corrections or whatever the case might be. But we're not sitting here to kind of predict the future as it goes to that. What about, you know, Pete, you know, you mentioned jobs and so forth. And, you know, it, it appears on the surface that the jobs market, you know, looks on the surface that as if it's getting better. What are your thoughts there? Well, I've been a big fan of a handful of financial journalists. There's been a journalist in our neck of the woods named John Cordell. He's the business editor for New York Post. And he broke a story a few weeks back, which is still getting some traction, not as much in the nightly news, but within the financial world, about the the way that they have accounted and the way they've been doing the jobs counts have really inflated how the economy is uh, doing in terms of jobs. Whether or not that's true or not, Let's keep in mind that we need about, because of how many new people are entering the world and population in the United States, each month we need about 250,000 of new job creation. We've only had that once or twice in the last year. The big problem in the employment and the number that people should really watch is not the employment rate, not how many jobs are created, but what they call the labor force rate. That just hit a new uh, multi-decade low. And what that means is, it's been so difficult for certain aspects of people to find a job that they've just stopped looking. They're not even counted in the workforce. There are economists out there that says if we take those people back, or what we call underemployed workers, people that are working part-time or a job for a lot less because they can't get the type of work that they would normally be suited for, if we put them back into the economy overnight, we could have a double uh, where the unemployment rate is right now. So I'm not a big believer that the economy is real strong. That's why I also believe that any tapering that gets done, even once they start it, it won't last long because the economy will slip and there'll be too much pressure on the Fed and they'll go back to some sort of easing problem. So I'm not real strong in the economy. And Frank, I'll just tell you this, after 30 years, the stock market at the end of the day, after everything's taken away, it's part ownerships of businesses. That's what you're buying and selling. You want Correct. shares of it. And at the end, the number one thing that drives businesses is how an economy is doing. So since I'm not that keen on the economy doing very good, I'm not that keen on, on the equity market as well. Gotcha. Pete, also, you know, one of the things that, you know, we can't go a day without seeing it in the press is, you know, they talk about Obamacare, okay, and not that we're here to pick on it any way, shape, or form. But I know that it is challenging for a lot of individuals and, you know, Part of you know what we see every day is you know what do health insurance rates cost? Are they going up? They staying the same or whatever the case might be, and it appears that health insurance rates keep going up, which continues to put pressure on individuals and as well as on companies. 
And so one of the things that, you know, we, we keep hearing and so forth is that there are companies that are walking away from the benefit plans, ultimately shifting costs and so forth. Pete, any thoughts on this and what you're seeing, what you're reading on this? Because I know that you talk about that big picture, the macro view of you know, how you see the world. Not saying that we agree or disagree with you, but it's always an insight for people to hear. Sure. I, I have a lot of work on a daily basis with businesses. I have a, a, an alliance that involves athletes and businesses. And one of the things I hear from business owners in all levels of business is there's such uncertainty about a whole load of things, nothing less than the health situation, that that's one of the main reasons the economy is stalled because businesses are just afraid to be bold and make any aggressive moves because it's a moving part. Everything changes on them. Uh, there's a great cash position, particularly among the largest companies, but it's very difficult to be a business person out there. And like I said, if you really go back, I don't think in 10 years we've seen anything from the fiscal side out of Washington, out of Congress, that can be pointed to that's helped business. It's really been net negative for businesses, regulation, uh, all these Obamacare and what have you, and I don't see any of that changing. So I think that's one of the big negatives for businesses going in is the uncertainty on just about every front that a business has to deal with. So for our listeners, as we're talking about this, you know, just some insights that I would have, you know, in listening to, you know, Peter and so forth, is one is I would tell you that as we're entering into the new year, okay, uh, the past year from a stock market standpoint has been a very good year. I would tell you that, you know, from listening to Peter, that his view is going to be cautiously optimistic, you know, which is be cautious with what you're doing. As we always say is be well diversified. 94% of investment success really comes from the proper diversification. As you're, you know, looking at different things that you're doing with your money, our other suggestions are is to make sure that you do have adequate reserves because there's a lot of financial factors that are going on. You know, and one of the financial factors are healthcare, and who's going to end up with that cost? You know, if you work for an employer, what's the cost sharing arrangements going to be going into the new year? Are you going to end up as an individual having to pick up more of that cost, which is ultimately going to affect your individualized budget for the new year? So these are just a few insights that, you know, we have for our listeners. The only other thing that I would just ask Peter as far as, you know, as we look at this new year and going forward, you know, Peter, as far as international, uh, international markets, things of that nature, what do you hear? What are you telling people? Because I know that, you know, Pete, you also have a new newsletter that you're writing for right now. Who are you writing for now? I write for MoneyTalks.net. It's actually based in Canada, but it's a North American publication. And uh, you're correct. I'll tell you this. What I find most individuals making a mistake in, in my opinion, and that is the United States is no longer the economic engine that pulls the world around. Yet most people are almost predominantly in any equity holdings they have are in just U.S.-based companies. One of the things I would suggest people consider, talk to their advisors and what have you, is to get more of an international exposure simply because the majority of the business in the world that's driving the world economy is not being done in the U.S. anymore. So one of the things I think people, if they want to work on something new, is get more familiar about what's happening in the international economy and look outside of the United States to have equity ownership. Very good. So for our listeners, as we're wrapping up this week's show, just a few insights for you. One is, you know, we mentioned before, again, and you always hear us saying this, diversification is key. And when we say diversification, we're talking both, you know, domestically and internationally. As Peter just mentioned is, you know, there's a lot of other countries that, you know, do show some promise and there's opportunities out there and a well-diversified portfolio and what you're doing with your finance should be looked at. 
The last thing I'll bring up for all of our listeners is one of the key aspects of anything is really not just the rate of return at which you, you know, you're earning on your money, but the rate at which you're saving. And it should be the goal for any of our listeners that they should try to get their personalized savings rate somewhere to the tune of 15 to 20 percent of their income. Because as you're going forward, you know, we always say is, you know, six months of emergency funds on hand. Uh, Make sure that you're being wise with your money. Save at a good rate. Protect yourself and your assets properly with the right insurance. And if you're doing all this, it really makes up for the right you know, experience next year of both protecting you and your family. So as our listeners, as we're you know wrapping up our show, we are in the Christmas season. So we wish everybody a truly blessed Christmas season. Peter, thank you for being with us today. Again, it was Peter Grandich, our guest. Peter. Thank you, Frank. God bless to your listeners. Thank you. And for all of our listeners, we wish you truly a blessed Christmas season. This is Frank Congelos. You've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. Any questions, you could write to us at the Institute of Responsible Wealth, 2431 Atlantic Avenue, Manasquan, New Jersey, 08736, or email us at info at ifrw.com.